Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Tailgate Kings. I'm Dr. Die here with Casey Jones and Jason, the arbiter of reason, Reynolds. Always bringing the good stuff, guys. All right, dude, we got all this still. The, M- the NFL refuses to, to kind of cede the, the media ball to the NBA guys. Uh, it, it, it's NFL, it's quarterback craziness. And finally, after what, three years of drama, Dak is signed. Does it matter, though, at this point, guys? I mean, look, he's hurt. The, the Cowboys weren't that good with him. I mean, and now they've got five players like that are in the top five paid in their positions. I mean, how much does this matter? Is it Super Bowl or bust? I mean, you know, where, where are you going with this, Casey? I mean, are, are, you're not a Cowboys fan. I know that, but they're in your division, you know, so and they weren't that good last season. Your Packers still going to dominate next year, right? Well, they're in my they're in my uh, conference, but not my division. Uh, but I do th- yeah, I do funny. think, yeah, yeah. I think I'm just picking on you. I think this signing is great uh, for the rest of the division because now you're having to pay Dak Prescott so much money. Um, and, and look, you have a team that's a not completely healthy, um, has struggled with these injuries, but b just like you mentioned, you have a lot of players who are making a lot of money. There's a lot of money spread out between a very small amount of players. And um, I think that's going to hinder you. And we're starting to see what, you know, I, th- I think we'll talk about it a little bit later, but what the Chiefs are kind of doing with uh, what we can only assume is saving salary cap or making some kind of leeway for Pat Mahomes' huge contract. Um, I, I just, I've never understood how people and players don't look at Brady. I, I Don't get me wrong. I think, I think players should get their money. The average... Um, career span of an NFL player is minuscule. Um, I, I, I just, I just don't understand how quarterbacks who really want to win don't look at the Brady method, if you want to call it that and take less money in order to put the pieces that you need around you uh, get yourself a great offensive line. If you can't get those great weapons on the offensive side of the ball, get yourself a great defense and um, 40 million a year doesn't give you a lot of room whenever there's already so much money spread out amongst a lot of players. Uh, congrats to Dak for getting paid after years of trying and, you know, negotiating. And uh, I hope he comes back healthy and I hope he earns that 40 million. Cause I don't think he's done it up to this point. Yeah, no, I'm with you. And you're right. These quarterbacks taking these huge salaries. I mean, I don't know if that's more an indictment of the NFL cause they have the salary cap. You know, you look at like baseball and these huge contracts, there's no salary cap, you know, but at the same time, there's no salary minimum. And uh, that's why Jay's pirates always get a, Get, 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 the, get the raw end of the deal, it seems. So, Jay, what do you think, man? Is it Super Bowl or bust for the Cowboys with all this money being spent, especially this year? Or, 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 or what are they doing, man? I mean, this, this, is, is this a good deal for the Cowboys? Well, you know, I think, I think this it's a, is it indicative of a bigger trend within the NFL. If we look at the history of football, many people often consider 1983 to be the best quarterback draft ever, right? Elway, Kelly, uh, uh, Marino, right? All these, these Hall of Fame quarterbacks. I think we'll look back at 2016 as the most overpaid draft class ever. Uh, Goff, <laughs> Wentz, Dak. Two teams have traded away quarterbacks that they signed to outrageous deals from that draft. Goff, you know, the, <laughs> the Rams were like, oh my God, why did we do that? Let's get rid of him, right? The Eagles like, oh, why did we do that with Wentz? Let's get rid of him. And now the Cowboys are going to go ahead and give one of, one of that draft class, uh, uh, one of their gr- draft class a fellow alums, a $4 a year contract. Ooh, you would think you'd look around and see what has happened with other people for his draft cast and how that has not worked out, how it's, 
it's really to hurt teams to a certain extent. And I, I agree with Casey 100%. This limits what you can pay other players. Um, I, contracts aren't always zero-sum games, right? A zero-sum game is, is a game in which somebody must win and somebody must lose. There can be contract negotiations where you have two winners, right? And I think the Brady method, as Casey called it, is a perfect example of that, where Tom Brady just today restructured his contract in Tampa Bay. I doubt he'll actually play four years, but he's spreading money over that four years so he can have better receivers, so he can have better tight ends, so he can have an offensive line that protects him. And he knows it's better for him to make $25 million and win a Super Bowl than to make $40 million and be an 8-8 eight and eight player. I don't see the Cowboys doing what happened with Dak's uh, draft mates. I don't see them getting rid of him the way they got – well, Goff got, was, was, was cast aside and Wentz was cast aside to save money. I see them keeping him. I see them making the playoffs. I mean, look, you only need to be eight and eight to win that division. <laughs> like, it is not a stretch to say this is a playoff team with Dak um, because they are in the NFC East and it is so bad. I mean, the Cow- uh, not the Cowboys, the, the, the Washington football team made the playoffs last year with a losing record. So I think the Cowboys can easily win this division and get knocked out in the wild card round every year of his contract. And that's kind of what I foresee happening here. I mean, is this, is this really more Jerry Jones being Jerry Jones as well? Like, he just has to be, you know, the guy who's paying the most money. I mean, if, I feel that's what the Cowboys have kind of become in some ways, you know? Like, how we talk about your, your Pirates, you know, bringing Pittsburgh back into it, but your Pirates always being the team that, yeah, they got good players, and then they just give them away. They like, you know, they like lowballing it. Jerry seems to be the opposite. He loves paying guys. Like, go back to, to Deion Sanders. You remember the Deion Sanders deal? Right. I mean, he loves being the guy who just – throwing the money at people you know and it never buys championships it's like it's like jimmy johnson built that first team with him and then after that jerry's like "Woo, i got money and the cowboys have a huge stadium it just it feels like it's all about the money to me well winning you know that you don't need to win to make money and if you find a, a kind of happy place where you can make revenue and always be in the playoffs you know you ask your average business owner would they rather be in the playoffs every year squeaking in and there's always that hope of a Super Bowl or win one Super Bowl and then be down for a decade. Well, they'll take the playoffs and no Super Bowls every year. And and it feels that's kind of like what Jerry Jones is trying to get at here. Oh, man. Never any... What, though? You you guys mentioned making money. And, I mean, obviously the Cowboys like making money. Jerry Jones likes making money. Now that this contract is finalized, um, I I wouldn't be surprised if uh, we see – and, I mean, obviously it's a given – whenever uh, a huge player re-signs with a team or whatever, the fan base is going to buy out his jersey like crazy. Uh, his jersey is probably going to be top five going into this uh, next season. No uh, doubt about it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, the Cowboys fans are, you know, I, I, because you can always want a specific player at a specific position for your team. But once your team finally commits to that uh, player, no matter who it is, diehard fans for the most part – at least try to typically get behind that player. And Dak Prescott's going to sell jerseys. He's going to make a lot of money for the team. And if that means they're squeaking into the playoffs, if I'm Jerry Jones, then so be it. You know, like he's making his money and that's his priority. That's his prerogative. Um, And in terms of you guys mentioned the Washington football team, this Washington football team reminds me a lot of that San Francisco, or they have the potential. They remind me of a team that has the potential to mirror the uh, 49ers team of recent memory that had that fantastic defense with a decent quarterback, if they can find, if they can figure out at least a decent quarterback, um, 
look, they've got that young stud on the defensive side of the football. I'm not saying that Washington football team is going to be like double digit wins for the next five seasons, but I, I think they're going to be at least pressuring the, you know, the rest of the uh, division in terms of making them actually participate and work harder to actually win the division. I like, I like Washington it. football team going forward. I like it. I like it, man. Hey, I like it, dude. I, I, I'm on the Taylor Heineke train, dude. I'm, I'm, like I said, he's going to be on my bench. He's going to be on my bench in fantasy football next season. So I'm on the Taylor Heineke it's train. Not a bad idea. Nah, and, you, and, you, you know, you want to fire him up early. Don't leave him on the bench. Once there's film on him, he's cooked. He's going to be really <laughs> good the first four or five games, though. Well, maybe, like I said, maybe I pick him up, but then he's on my bench. There you go. All right. There you go. Uh, but, no, Casey, riding off what you were saying about Dak and the, and the jersey, so think about it. He's also, in a sense, pre-made for next year comeback player of the year, right? I mean, if, if everything goes oh, 100%. right. He's pre – so even if Dallas doesn't make the playoffs next year, they're still going to be in the discussion postseason because people are going to be talking about Dak as comeback player of the year. So that's another thing media-wise, man. It's just it, – it's crazy. I didn't even think about something like that until you're talking about the jersey situation. Speaking of Dallas, though, they're officially off the board now for the Russ, Russell Wilson saga. So where does this saga end, guys? Apparently the Bears are trying to move mountains to either get Russ – or to get to Sean Watson, one or the other, you know, is this going to be something we see play out uh, for for another season? Uh, is this going to end by the draft? Because I feel like it has to end by the draft, right? Especially if we're talking to all these first round draft picks that might be going, they're going to want this year's probably. So, what do you think, Jay? What what happens with the Russ saga? When does this end? Uh, it ends in June. It can't end by the draft, and here's why. Right now, Russell Wilson counts. $39 million against the cap, which is only $180 million. The NFL salary cap went down for the first time this century. Right, right. it's gone up. Right, that's crazy. I heard that. Yeah, that's crazy. Right, for the first time it went down. So it's, I don't know the exact number, 182 or 181.9, whatever. It's roughly $180 million. Uh, uh, Russ counts $39 million against that. But if they trade him in June, they can spread that salary cap over two seasons, that salary cap hit. So suddenly, instead of costing them $40 million in, in cap space, they co- it cost them $20 million each year. So you can just expect people on ESPN and Fox Sports and NFL Network to talk about where will Russ go until June because they'd be foolish to trade him before then. Yeah, I, I, all right. So June, June, June's your date. Do you feel like at June, though, Jay, he's going to go somewhere? Or do you feel like he's still going to be a Seahawk? I mean, I feel like that's a lot of time between now and then. You know, there's all sorts of things going to be fixed. People can be made happy between now and June. No, yeah, I mean, I, for all I know, there could be an agreement in principle that nobody's talking about between some team like the Bears and the Seahawks. And they're just like, look, yeah, we'll, we'll give you Russ for a Khalil Mack and a nacho stand, but you got to wait till June 1st, <laughs> right? So um, I, I expect him to move. I don't know to who. I don't know if there's a deal in principle, but I don't expect him to move before June. I would be shocked unless the NFL changes some sort of rule. I don't see him moving before June 1st, but I see him moving within the first seven days of June, certainly. All right, Casey, I'm going to get it right this time. Check it out. Russ moves to the Bears. Now he's in your division. What do you think, man? Do you want to see Russ Russ on the Bears playing your Packers? Well, to answer your first question um, uh, that you asked Jay, on when this is going to end, um, I'll answer it very simply. I think it's already over. I don't think he's going anywhere. I think oh, he stays right. with Seahawk. Um, look, I, I, I don't want to say that there's no way that he can move. Um, but if I'm looking at a team that's like the Texans, uh, the Texans seem that they're not budging on Deshaun Watson. 
Deshaun Watson has repeatedly stated that he wants out. Uh, like, no matter what you put around me, I'm out, I want out of here. No matter what you do, I want out of here. It doesn't matter who you hire. I do not want to be a Texan. And they're like, cool story, bro. You, you still got a contract. You got you to gotta work out. So you're staying. You're here for the long haul, at least for now. Um, if I'm looking at this, And by the way, here, looking, here's Mark Ingram. Here's Mark Ingram. <laughs> yeah, by the way, here's Mark Ingram uh, to back up David Johnson, who is not the same player he was. Um, let's get you two washed running backs and trade away your best receiver. You get to stay. Um, I think if I'm looking at Russell Wilson and I'm looking at the Seattle Seahawks, um, I think that Russell Wilson obviously is frustrated with his position, but I've listened to Russell Wilson interviews. I've listened, uh, I've watched Russell Wilson interviews and uh, I listened to him on the Bill Simmons podcast and he seems to really love Seattle and he really loves that area. And there's even rumors that he's in, invested in getting the supersonics back into Seattle without, without moving another franchise in order to relocate them. Like he's, he's apparently in the works to get that to become an, a reality again, to, to have another basketball team there. And he wants to see the Seattle um, economy and uh, city thrive and their fan base thrive. Um, I think he's just frustrated. And I think if I'm the Seahawks, um, I'm looking at a guy that won a Super Bowl in his first three seasons, uh, went to two in his first three seasons. And he, we haven't been back, not because of his play. Russell Wilson has been a, a perennial all-star or uh, MVP contender uh, every year that he's been in the league, essentially. If I'm looking at it, I, I think that the Seahawks need a little bit of self-reflection and, and really need to look at what we need to put around Russell Wilson in order to, to make him happy and get him to stay. He's a once-in-a-generation type of player, and I don't think you just pass up and trade a guy like that, especially if you're getting Khalil Mack back. I love, I love Khalil Mack. I think his game is, is incredible. But the quarterback position is so hard to fill uh, with talent as special as Russell Wilson's. And if I'm looking at the entire team – I'm looking at what I need to do around him, not not how I need to get rid of him. Well, Casey, do you think it's do you think it's a a, a fight or not a fight, but maybe a a difference between Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson? What each one wants, you know, how Pete Carroll wants to run the offense and what Russell Wilson wants to do. Maybe I mean that could very well be it. You know, uh, it's it's not like uh, Pete Carroll hasn't had issues with his players in the past. Um, I, I mean, he, you know, Richard, Richard Sherman was one that he had a lot of issues with. Right. And um, the, I mean, and you could go on and on and on. He and Marshawn Lynch had their own little issues from time to time. I, Pete Carroll is a very, very, very um, expressive coach, at least when it comes to his players. And I don't know, man, I, I think that if I'm, if I'm the Seahawks, I'm looking at Russell Wilson and I'm saying, okay, look, we understand that you're frustrated. You want to leave. What is it that could make it better for you here? I like their receipt. I like their weapons. Uh, maybe if you could get them a better tight end, their defense is pretty decent. Uh, maybe you could improve in some areas there, but I, I really think that a big part of it is your offensive line and um, really bolstering that offensive line. And maybe now that we're looking at uh, Kansas city, getting some big releases over there, in terms of their offensive line, I mean, I don't, I don't, if I'm the Seahawks, I'm coming to Russell Wilson and say, saying, who of these do you want? Who, who of these do you want us to go after and get at least that's able to, to be snagged with the new salary cap? I think you make him happy, man. Uh, Russell Wilson is special. He's, uh, 
I think the only way you trade is, is if you're getting Deshaun Watson back. If you're able to do a, a straight-up swap pretty much to, to Houston, Deshaun Watson for Russell Wilson, that's the only way I'm getting rid of Russell Wilson. I'm so, not settling. Some three-team trade, Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson, and the Bears all involved somehow. Now, somehow. One, now, one more question, Casey. When you say you don't think it's going to happen, do you mean at all or you just mean this season? Like, is this going to be on the board next season if he comes back this season? Kind of like in the situation, you know, where we're not sure how Aaron Rodgers feels. Like, yeah, he's going to play like another season for your Packers, but he could just as easily be gone, you know, what, next season technically and not be a huge cap hit and they could start right. up and yada, yada, yada. I think it's a possibility next season. I don't think it happens this season for sure. Uh, part of me wants to say it won't happen at all, but – for this season, for sure, it will not happen. Next season is very much dependent on how it goes this season. If they go 12-4, and four, make it to the NFC Championship game, and lose on a last-second play, I'm Russell Wilson sitting there like, well, you know, I mean, we did what we could. But if we go 9-7 and seven and we lose in the wild card, yeah, I want out. I, I, I want out of here. All right. Um, uh, but I think it's very much dependent on how they perform in the season, um, it, how, how Russell Wilson gets along with the front office, um, if Pete Carroll is there by the end of next season. You know, if we if they lose three in a row and Russell Wilson says, you know, I'm frustrated, it's me or Pete. I mean, Matt, who are you picking, Russell Wilson or Pete Carroll? I think the answer is easy. I mean, it, it, I don't know if it's easy. That's why I'm, I was going to throw that to Jay next. Jay, it, it, is this a Russ versus Pete Carroll sort of thing? Is this an offensive philosophy versus what Russell wants to do on offense? Or, or how do you see it? Well, you know, I, I do see it as an easy, an easy pick. You go with Pete Carroll. Because <laughs> Russ Wilson has an expiration date, your coach doesn't, and you have a coach who's won the most wild card games, and a coach who, you know, his only mistake was having Wilson throw, really, or he'd have two Super Bowl rings, right? I, I think you go with the coach, and <clears throat> maybe, maybe I'm just, maybe this is being a Steelers guy where, like, you know, I'm from a team that's only had three coaches in the last, like, 80 years or some nonsense, right? But you stick with a guy who's a winning coach, you stick with winning GMs. I think the Seahawks are in a great position not being able to move Wilson. Until June, maybe they do what Casey says and he stays there. Maybe, maybe they don't and they do move him in June as soon as they can spread that cap hit over two years instead of one. But they're in a pretty sweet position because their draft strategy is exactly the same no matter what. They need an offensive line, <laughs> right? They need to bolster the defense a little bit. But what they need is an offensive line. You draft that offensive line. Maybe you take a flyer on a mid or late round quarterback. Then you revisit the Russ situation post-draft. But there's no reason to move Russ until at least June. And your draft, your draft plan would be exactly the same whether or not you keep Russ. So this actually, I, I think they're in a surprisingly good place, even being in perhaps the toughest division in football. They're in a surprisingly good place for the draft and, and for if they want to deal Russ. Game plan is the same no matter who the QB is. You know, you're right that, it, that you guys both think offensive line is going to be huge, I guess, for Russ. You know, like he, the offensive line is, is not what they need right now. And now we're seeing that, the Chiefs are releasing, if nothing else, their former first-round draft pick, Eric Fisher, and on, on the offensive line, obviously to save money. But wasn't that part of the problem in the Super Bowl, Jay, that they didn't have an offensive line? Wasn't that what you were telling me the whole time? <laughs> I, I don't I, – yeah. <laughs> I think Casey was mentioning uh, uh, how much money uh, Patty Mahomes is making up there. Right. <laughs> yeah, $15 million a year is a lot of money. You can afford the QB, but can you afford the offensive line? And I tell you what, a lot of people are like, what quarterbacks are in the draft? What quarterbacks are in the draft? Chances are you should be looking at what offensive linemen are in the draft because you have a lot of teams 
with good quarterbacks and no offensive line right now. And that's just the way the salary structure is going. And with what quarterbacks you're making now, you sign a guy like Dak, you sign a guy like Russ, you sign a guy like Mahomes. Now you, now you can't afford veteran linemen. You need to build that line for the draft and you need to let them go to keep paying your rock star quarterback. So I think offensive line is really the place to look in the draft. That's where the more interesting storyline is. I know it's not as sexy, <laughs> right? It doesn't have fun big numbers by it, but who gets the better centers and the better, the, the better guards is going to be the better team. That, that's the way the NFL is working nowadays. The Steelers are in this boat too. Uh, I, I, almost every team that has an established quarterback is in this boat where they need new linemen because that's where they're, that's where they're saving money. I, I think the Chiefs are in trouble here. You know, I mean, one of the reasons I picked them early on in the year to not repeat is because it's so hard to repeat a Super Bowl, right? It, it's super, super duper hard to do. And now having to pay him, yeah, they, they are in a bad way. If anybody can draft offensive linemen, it's Andy Reid. Don't get me wrong. I, I, I expect them to be a playoff team again, definitely. But this is a dangerous situation. This is a situation where we could see Patrick Mahomes run for 400 yards backwards throughout the season on multiple occasions of good, against good defenses. So Kansas City, uh, uh, they might find themselves in a much worse situation than anyone thought. I, I mean, want to bring something up yeah. to you guys, Matt. I don't mean to interrupt you. Um, no, no. But uh, I, I heard this recent um, idea thrown out. I, I was on a pod somewhere. I forget where. It might have even been on Pat McAfee's show. Um, but don't quote me on that. I, I, I heard this idea of creating – and I, I'm not sure exactly how you would do it and the logistics behind it and how easy or difficult it would be. But I heard, I, I heard this idea of creating a separate salary cap uh, strictly for quarterbacks, designated for quarterbacks. You have a specific range of, of salary cap that you can use per quarterback, and it allows you to essentially separate that from your actual team salary cap. Now, my question to you guys is, I have two questions, actually. A, is that a good idea? B, how ridiculous is it that we now have to consider separate salary caps because quarterbacks are making so much money? No, I, I, I think it's more that I don't, I don't understand the salary cap situation in the first place, especially as Jay pointed out earlier, this is the first season where they've lowered it, you know? I, it's, it's baffling. In, in, in the NFL, which is the biggest sports industry, you know, I don't know if it's bigger than like, you know, soccer in Europe, you know, when it comes to bringing in money, because I know those contracts are ridiculous too. But you've got all this money, right? I mean, how are we not able to pay these guys? And you can't be mad at Dak for wanting to make $40 million. You can't. Because Jerry Jones is making hand over fist, you know, on the Cowboys, whether they're good or bad. You know, and he's not, you know, risking life or limb, you know. So I, you can't blame Dak for wanting to get his money. I just can't believe that there's a salary cap that's, that's this low when it seems like all these teams are, are pretty much flush with cash, you know. I don't know, Jay, correct me if I'm wrong. Oh, no, you're right. You know, and I watched the Super Bowl with my son, who's 10, and he saw Mahomes running for his life, and he said, Dad, there should be a rule you can't tackle the quarterback. I was like, son, don't worry. They're working on it. It's only every <laughs> time, right? Like, you, you know we're going to be playing flag football in the next few decades. Yeah, the quarterback idea is a horrible idea, actually. I mean, they could do it, and they may do it, but it's a horrible idea. You know, on this show, what, three, four years ago, before the Rams signed Goff to that stupid contract, I said what I saw the, the Rams doing was genius. They weren't giving Goff a deal, and they were building a great team. And my thought was the Rams could contend for years to come if they just let Goff go when his rookie contract is up and draft another guy. Because what they had done is they built that brilliant defense, and they brought in receivers, and they had a great offensive line, and they'd done all that by not paying Goff 
while every other team was paying their quarterback $30, $40 million, the Rams had Goff on his rookie deal, and they built a great team, didn't win the Super Bowl, but made it to the Super Bowl, was in contention multiple years. Great strategy. And my thought was, maybe the Rams are geniuses. Maybe they'll just let Goff go, draft another guy, and they have this great team because they've handled the salary cap correctly. Then, of course, they proved me wrong immediately by signing him to a huge deal, <laughs> right, that they've now traded him away to the Lions just to get out of. But I, I don't think you want that, you know, a separate salary cap for QB because then it makes you spend that money on QB. And I think some smart teams at some point are going to figure out quarterback is the most important position. But you can also build a team around a, a slot where a quarterback can win. Look, I don't think Dak can win you a Super Bowl. I think Dak won't lose you a Super Bowl. That's the difference. So I don't see the Cowboys winning a Super Bowl with this contract. Dak's not a transcendent player like Mahomes. He's a great player, but he's not that great. He's not a guy who's going to carry you to a Super Bowl. He's, going to got, uh, he's a guy who's not going to screw up. He's not going to fumble too much. He's not going to throw too many picks. He won't lose you the Super Bowl, but he won't win it for you either. Now, I think a smart team right now wants the salary cap the way it is, and they want to get a rookie QB in there and maybe build around them and then debate doing something where you flip quarterbacks instead of flipping the other 21 guys for a, and set, you get what I'm saying? It's easier to switch out quarterbacks than it is to switch out 21 other guys, 21 other starters the whole time. So I would be against that idea. And I'm just waiting for a team to set up what the Rams set up, but stick with it instead of giving in and signing the big contract that dooms them. I'm trying to find what Jared Goff's number was like the final year of his rookie deal. You know, I mean, because I know they get a signing bonus like those first rounders, you know, right. And then, and then they get so much guaranteed and then, you know, the fourth year and then the fifth year option sort of thing. It's like, I probably feel by, you're probably right, Jay, by the time you're, you're in the fourth year of your contract, you're probably making, I would hope, 10 million. I don't know. I guess what I'm trying to find what the number is that, that, that quarterbacks, a first round, especially number one pick, would make well, by their Goff's original signing bonus was was nine million the first year five million the second year but his base salary and what was going against the cap was just a million dollars okay and he signed that enormous deal in his third or fourth year after the super bowl appearance right you don't need to do that you no that's what i'm saying you, yeah you know, just, you know, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I mean, it, for, for to stay within the salary cap, I totally agree. That's why I don't think there should be a salary cap. You want to pay these guys to make stupid decisions? I mean, that's what baseball does all the time. You know, just just do it and, and, and deal with it. I mean, I don't – and then especially when you look at colleges and college coaches, you know, they get fired. You got so many college coaches or so many colleges paying like four, four football coaches still because they got four guys they, they kept for like two years on like seven-year, $80 million deals or something stupid. It's just, uh, I don't know. I mean, I'm all for these guys getting their money, but, man, salary cap needs to move, I think. I think I, I, I don't know. If, I'm with you. I don't think separate quarterback salary cap. I just think the salary cap needs to move. All yeah, these I guys don't probably understand. need more money. I don't understand how um, – I mean, I do understand why, because you, you bring in less revenue, the salary cap drops, blah, 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 blah. You know, at least that's the simple explanation of it. Um, the NBA – their salary dropped, and and I can understand why to an extent. Their TV ratings aren't as high, um, so th so they don't draw as much revenue in as the NFL would, at least in terms of that simplicity, in terms of just viewership, TV ratings. Even though in twenty in the year twenty twenty one, TV ratings are not really indicative of how popular you are. You know, it, it, me as a wrestling fan, back in the late nineties, they were you know WWF at the time and WCW Monday Nitro was averaging anywhere from 5 million to 9 million people per week watching wrestling. 
Um, and now in the year 2021, they're lucky to average 2 million per week. It, it's just, it's just a change of the times. More people watch stuff online, more people watch highlights, more people watch highlights and uh, YouTube clips and so on and so forth. And it's the, it's, it's figuring out how to monetize that. Um, my thing is, is the NFL for the most part, didn't have full stadiums this, this year, but they did allow fans. Uh, the NBA did not do that last season. The NBA did not allow fans. They did not allow, at least after the uh, lockdown was ended, um, they did not allow fans. And then you have the bubble where your, your playoff games in the NBA are your money makers. That's where you make your money because the big high profile teams, most of the time in the big cities are, you know, hosting these playoff games where if you go to a Lakers game and you sit courtside, you're paying thousands of dollars for this seat. Now, all of a sudden you're missing that revenue, even to down to the minute people who pay 25, 30, $50 for a ticket. You're missing that revenue. Now the NFL allowed fans. And then in, in, you mean $25 for a soda, not a ticket, right? Right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just, yeah, just an example. Um, I, I have paid $35 for a ticket, and it wasn't too bad, but it was also a Pelicans game against the lowly Sacramento Kings at the time. So, you know, we'll take that with a, with a grain of salt. But my point is, is the NBA, the NBA lost out on a ton of money, so their salary cap dropped, and we understand that. The NFL is the biggest, like you said, Matt, maybe not comparatively to soccer overseas or football to them overseas, but here in the States, nothing beats football. Nothing trumps football. You can argue baseball, you know, in the past, but the NFL and football brings in an incredible amount of revenue every year. And even with this pandemic last year, they managed a full season with almost no hiccups in terms of scheduling. Every game was played. Uh, you can't say the same about the NBA. And if anything, the scheduling works worked out for them. They ended up getting Tuesday night football, Wednesday night football. So now they're dominating exactly. nights they're not usually on. Probably thinking about how they're gonna they're gonna be on Tuesday or Wednesday next year or something. It, I mean, I mean, Matt, it's in the next five years we're gonna have football Sunday through Saturday. That's just that's just how it's gonna be. You're gonna spread these games out to where it's gonna be. Oh, I have to watch Tuesday. You know, my team is playing against this team. And then you have less overlap. You have less overlap in terms of teams playing, so you don't have to miss as many games. Then NFL will probably come out with their own subscription service, similar to what I mean. I know they already do, but even more so of one and jack it up to where you pay a little bit extra and you get you know extra privileges, so on and so forth. Um, so the fact that the salary cap has dropped and um, the owners, for the most part, are still making their billions. Um, and you know, not really hurting as much as these players are. And I given, and I know Jay's opinion. These guys are millionaires, so you know, woe is me for the most part. But um, at the same time, um, it is it is a little um, off-putting to me that the salary cap dropped um, when the owners don't have to worry too much about their own pockets. Well, I'll say this, Casey, as a Packers fan, the salary cap might behoove you as a fan of a small market team that. Uh, its fans have some ownership in it. You know, if, if you eliminate salary cap, you might find yourself in a place where you can't keep up with the Joneses. And you have teams like the Cowboys and the New York Giants and the LA Rams going to the Super Bowl every year and classic teams like your, your Packers and your Steelers uh, and your Browns, just your smaller market teams never being able to make it without that cap. So the, the cap does pay off when it comes to parity in the NFL. We, we can like that or dislike it. You know, we can argue about free market uh, and stuff like that all we want. But at the end of the day, 
as a fan of a small market team and the Steelers, and I know you're a fan of the Packers, who are the ultimate small market team, uh, the cap actually behooves us probably more than anybody else. Oh, yeah, I absolutely agree with you, Jay. I think the salary cap is, is uh, imperative to the, uh, like the, the integrity of the league, the structure of the league, the structural integrity, if you will, of the league. I think it's very important. Um, I just, I just, I, I wish it wouldn't have dropped, um, considering how how successful uh, the NFL was during this time, where a lot of other leagues weren't able to make it. You know, if there wasn't a salary cap, though, Jerry Jones and Dan Snyder might not be owners anymore. They might have overpaid for too many missed players, and that would have been the it. Saints would still have their punter. <laughs> oh, the Saints right. would still have their punter. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> all right so we're now on the other side of the uh of the nba all-star break and you guys know how much i love the nets and james harden but apparently jay um vegas is signed with you joel mv joel Embiid is right now the the mvp to be uh their prediction so i don't know we've got casey with us casey's casey's been uh been dealing with a, a newborn baby and everything like that so uh he, he he hasn't been able to be on the last couple shows so casey why don't we start with you, man? Tell me, tell me something about the NBA that we're not expecting in the second half. You know, um, is there going to be something surprising? You know, like who, who wins the East, who wins the West, sort of thing. What do you got? Um, I do think there are some some surprises that we can expect, uh, maybe before the trade deadline. Um, I think I think we might see some names move Fair. that maybe we are accepting, maybe we're uh, are expecting, maybe we're not expecting. Um, I also think that I'm looking at some of these teams that are currently in playoff contention, and I'm thinking that maybe some of them might be in um, in for early exits. I think some teams may surprise us, um, depending on where they land. And um, I don't know. I, so I'm looking at I'm looking at this East. I'm looking at the East over here, and there are a few teams that intrigue me. Um, the Atlanta Hawks could make a big time move and um, grab another good quality player. They have some contracts of guys they paid over the, uh, over the off season and some guys that they probably thought would work out. Uh, Gallinari hasn't been fantastic. Bogdanovich has not been fantastic. Uh, you're looking at the issues for the Hawks. You have to pay John Collins. Um, John Collins and Trey are going to have to get paid at the same time. And you still have this, this contract of Clint Capella, but they are the eighth seed. Um, even considering how much they've struggled this season. They're 17 and 20 as the A seed. Um, the, the Hawks could make a big move. Another one of my favorite teams in the East, the Charlotte Hornets. Charlotte Hornets, um, I think whoever plays the Hornets in the first round should, I don't, say should, I don't want to say should be terrified, but should be prepared for a really hard-fought series. Um, I think this Hornets team with um, – with these young guys, with Lamelo and Scary Terry, uh, PJ Washington, all these guys. Gordon Hayward is looking great too. These guys are playing very well, playing really good basketball. Terry Rozier looks like a shooting guard who is very well uh, has has developed very well over the last season or two, um, and is surprising the hell out of me. Um, Lamelo Ball looks like he might be the future of the NBA in terms of point guards. Uh, this Hornets team is really surprising me. Um, not only to mention the resurgence of the Knicks, the resurgence of the, uh, the Heat, the struggling Celtics, who are still the fourth seed, but I don't expect them to stay there long unless Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown can find a way, I don't want to say to coexist, but to keep up their all-star play and also use that all-star play to lead to victories. Um, 
and then you hit this top three of the East, Matt. Um, we we yeah, I keep waiting because because nobody's talking about the Bucks, man. I mean, have we forgotten about the Bucks, Casey? I don't I don't want to say that we've forgotten about the Bucks, but I I definitely don't think that they are they're they're not the sexy pick in the East anymore. Obviously, the sexy pick in the East is Brooklyn. Uh, everybody's looking at Brooklyn, and everybody's looking at Philly because of their MVP candidate and Joel Embiid, who as of right now, I I think that you do have to argue Joel and James Harden are probably one and two with maybe until AD went out, maybe you could talk about LeBron being up there as well. Now, so much, I don't know about LeBron so much. I mean, he is still LeBron, but I'm looking at these top three teams, uh, Milwaukee. I don't know, man. I don't want to say Giannis is uh, a choke artist in the playoffs, but I don't think with they're currently with the team that they currently have built and structured around Giannis, I don't think they're built to win a championship. Um, Middleton is your second guy. And I think at best he should be a third guy on a, on a really good team. Um, I keep hearing the, a lot of rumblings that people are saying that Giannis just isn't built to be the number one guy on a team. He should play with another superstar and be the second guy, so on and so forth. And really just focus on his defense, run small ball center more often. I don't know about that. Uh, this is a guy I just watched go 16 for 16 in the All-Star game, two of which were threes. I get it. There's not as much defense in the All-Star game, but uh, you, you still really have to try to make 16 out of 16 shots. Um, that being said, I don't see Milwaukee even making it to the Eastern Conference Finals. Uh, wow. The team they currently wow. have built. Wow. Um, Say it again, Casey. Say that again. I want, I want, I want it completely on record right here. Uh, on the date of March 12th, <laughs> 2000, the year 2021, with the team that they currently have structured around Giannis Antetokounmpo, the Milwaukee Bucks will not make it to the Eastern Conference wow. Finals, much less the championship. Wow. Um, look, right. I like Drew Holiday a lot. I like Chris Middleton a lot. But you're looking at, you're looking at a team that needs better shooting. Um, needs a little bit of better defense to help around Giannis for when he's getting doubled or uh, if he's just struggling. Um, I like Drew Holiday a lot. Love Drew Holiday a lot. And Chris Middleton is a decent player. But I'm looking over in Washington at Bradley Beal, at a guy who obviously wants out, at a guy who can be, even as your second guy, a 28 to 30 points per game scorer. I'm looking at a guy who wants to win. And what does Giannis want to do? Giannis wants to win. I'm looking at Bradley Beal over there, and if I'm the Bucks, I, I can't let him go to another team. I cannot let him go to another team by this trade deadline. If I'm the Bucks, I'm pairing Chris Middleton in a few picks, and I'm 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 making a swing at Bradley Beal. And if you want Drew to stay and 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 maybe even run your point, um, and average 15 points per game, then fine, so be it. Great. Um, they have to make a move. It's not working. Um. I mean, what they're sitting at the third seed right now, and they're only uh, they've they've made a nice little run as of late. But at, at one point, they were only three games over five hundred, sitting at the at the third seed. So, I like Brooklyn a lot. I like Philly a lot. Um, I, I think that if I had to guess right now, I I you know Matt, I don't I don't want to say I'm wrong yet. I don't want to say I'm wrong yet. But Brooklyn looks like they might be able to make it to at least the Eastern Conference Finals against Philly. Oh, you guys, oh, buying me, buy, buy me diamonds, buying me diamonds. Hey, hey look, <laughs> I don't want to say I'm wrong just yet, but they look good and they are surprising me with how well they're playing together. 
Um, James Harden has very much surprised me in terms of stepping into a facilitating role while keeping up good scoring. His defense even looks a little better. Maybe he's just, maybe he's just motivated to be a really good player again. And these last few years in Houston, he's just felt super burnt out. And now that he's got, uh, oh man, I was about to, I was about to be super mean to him. Now that he's got two all-stars around him, maybe he feels like he can actually try again. Um, but I, I like, I like Philly a lot and I'm starting to warm up to Brooklyn a little bit in terms of winning the East. I don't know yet. I'm not sure yet. We'll have to see how the second season, second part of the season goes out. Um, I also don't think that Blake Griffin is the answer for, for Brooklyn um, in terms of depth. I think he's only going to come in and maybe get you 15 to 20 minutes per game, which is cool. Uh, but as a small ball center off the bench option, um, Blake Griffin, what, what are we expecting out of him? Maybe 10 points per game, maybe 10 rebounds? I don't know. I, I, I was telling Jay, I'm worried that, you know, he, he comes to the team and he's, he's like a sedative. I don't, I, I'm worried about Blake Griffin. I don't know what he brings to, to the Nets. I, I, it kind of, kind of worries me. I don't know. Jay, you, you tell me, man. I mean, look, I thought nobody's talked about the Knicks as well, by the way. Tom Thibodeau's got the Knicks in playoff contention. New York must be going crazy. Hey, I mentioned them in our group chat the other day. Right? <laughs> I love, look, man, I love Julius Randle. He is legit one of my favorite players in the league, has been for years. Ever since he went to New Orleans, I love, I have a Julius Randle jersey uh, from here. And I love Julius Randle so much. Uh, he's one of those guys like Zach Levine. Um, that reminds me of guys who can really, really put the ball on the floor and really score. And they're completely two completely different sizes. Finally get their first all-star game this year, which I think is very well-deserved, long overdue for Zach Levine. Um, and then you look at R.J. Barrett, who looks like he's taking leaps. It's like huge steps. And then Derrick Rose. But, Jay, you and I were talking the other day about the Knicks. I mean, like Matt said, should Knicks fans be excited? Sure they should. I mean – Look, they're, they're not going to make it far or anything like that, but just a playoff berth for the Knicks would be huge. And, and it's nice. You know, this, uh, I think people often, you know, when a team has gone through such a long losing drought, they're always like, well, they're not going to win the finals. And it's like, no, they're not going to win the finals, but at least they're competing. You get Derrick Rose, you get Obi Toppin, you get Randall in there. That's a good, fun team to watch, and you can build around that. You know, you, you've got to start somewhere, right? You're, you're, you're not going to all at once, like, build a super team and, and two months from nothing, right? Like you, like, you need something, some starting piece. So I think the Knicks, for the first time in a long time, look like a, a, a real team. And for the first time in a long time, I don't see their owner, James Dolan, stealing headlines from the actual team. He's just kind of sitting back and letting the team run itself. So uh, it's a nice thing to see, you know, for like, I know there's the Brooklyn Nets now, but when they used to be the Jersey Nets, like New York only really has one team. Everybody agrees with you have Giants fans and you have Jets fans, you have Mets fans and you have Yankees fans. But whenever the Knicks played, there was this sense that the Knicks were the one team everybody in New York City got along with. And don't get me wrong, there's some hipsters in Brooklyn who are definitely pulling for the Nets and the beer. Don't get, don't get me wrong. And I'm sure they're building their fan base. But most old school New Yorkers, basketball is the one thing they could agree on. So whenever the Knicks do well, it really builds a lot of camaraderie in that city. And it's a good thing. Basketball was better when the Knicks are in the mix. And so I, I'm really hoping they make the playoffs this year. Well, and Jay, I, you, you brought up a really good point um, in terms of the Knicks fans just, just being excited for a playoff berth. But not only that, um, up until now, what reason has any free agent had to come play for New York? What reason have exactly. they had to, to come play for the Knicks? Now you see a, a young guy in R.J. Barrett. 
You see a young guy in Julius Randle. You see a young guy in Obi Toppin, Mitchell Robinson. You have this young, young core that they're building there. And if I'm a free agent, I'm looking at that. And I'm saying, well, hold on now. Uh, these guys look like they're going to be a well-oiled machine for the next five to seven years. There's a chance that we can make a deep playoff run with me being the number one guy. Let me go sign with the Knicks where they have ton of tons of cap space. I think the most cap space in the league at one point, if not right now, if, if I'm a free agent, I'm looking at the Knicks and they're, I'm, I'm not saying that they're going to get a huge name in the off season, but look for the Knicks to be one of the, one of the favorites for, for free agents this upcoming off season. A hundred percent. And, and for, you know, top tier free agents, there's a lot of revenue money to be made in New York, just like there is in LA. It is a good city. If you want to make money, there's no better place to play basketball than Madison square garden. So we could see a Knicks resurgence. This is just the first step. Like this is not a done product, but it's the first step and it's a big step in the right direction. I, I'm super pumped for, for Knicks fans. There's no, no two ways about it. They are doing the right thing for the first time in about 20 years. What about, what about uh, Casey's assertion that the Bucks are no longer a team to be feared in the East in a sense, Jay? Are, 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 are you with him on that? I mean, because I know you're picking Joel Embiid as your MVP right now in the, in the NBA. So you must like the Sixers. So do you think the Bucks are really, you know, trending downward? I, I don't think the Bucks have changed. I think the Bucks are the same team they have been for three or four years. Yes, some pieces have changed, right? <laughs> right? Like they have Drew Holiday now, you know, and stuff like that. But there's really no number two next to Giannis. You know, as Casey noted, some people think like, oh, maybe he can't run a team. Well, who is he playing with? This is no offense to Middleton, no offense to Holiday, but like this guy, it's his show. And the problem with the Greek freak, it's not actually a problem, it's a compliment, is that he goes out and plays like it's the playoffs every night. Doesn't matter if it's a preseason game or the NBA All-Star game or, or, or an actual playoff game, that dude leaves it on the floor every night. He gives it all. There, there is no doubt he is one of, if not the best players in the NBA. Doesn't have a team around him to, to get that far. And his attitude is contagious. That team plays all out all night. There is no extra gear in the playoffs. And then people get this idea that they're choking in the playoffs. They're not. They just play all out all season. That's what I love about them. That's why I root for them. But they're not a team that takes nights off like the Nets. They're not a team that takes nights off like the Sixers have in the past before Embiid got this new attitude. They're not a team that rests on their laurels and waits for the playoffs. They go out and get it every night. I think if you're a Bucks fan, you can be really proud of that team. But I think until you get one or two more pieces around Giannis, no, you're not, you're not going to make the NBA Finals. You know, Right now, as it stands at this moment, I have the Lakers beating the Sixers in the finals. Um, this is contingent, of course, on the Andre Drummond sweepstakes. If Drummond goes to the Lakers, I'll keep Lakers over Sixers. If Drummond goes to the Nets, I'll have to rethink who makes it from the East. If Drummond goes to the Sixers, then I'll rethink if it's Lakers over Sixers. I, I think rebounds are the, the underanalyzed aspect of basketball. And whoever wins, then I don't blame the Cleveland Cavaliers for milking this for all they've got because Drummond is the one piece they can get some return from, except for maybe Love, right? And who knows? Maybe they package Drummond and Love for a ton of picks and a few pieces. I don't blame them for milking this, but whenever that sweepstakes comes down, my opinion may change. Until then, I have Lakers over Sixers. I have Embiid as the NBA MVP, but I have LeBron again as the finals MVP. Wow. So, all right. So I'm with you though. I'm, and I'm surprised that Drummond hasn't moved yet. I figured, especially given that Blake Griffin moved, I figured Drummond would move before Blake Griffin, but you already went to the West and you've got the Lakers in the West. No doubt. Casey, 
Jason's like, uh, like, like, like LeBron and Durant. He's not giving the Jazz any love, man. You know, I'll admit, you know, none of us ever picked the Jazz. I, I'm with you. I'm, I never really picked the Jazz. You know, back when I was a kid playing NBA Jam or Double Dribble or anything like that. So, uh, so tell me, Casey, are we all sleeping on the Jazz or what's up in the West, my man? I am so undecided on the Utah Jazz. It is unreal. Um, I can't remember the last time that I saw a team that I liked and disliked so much at the exact same time. Um, I don't know if they have the pieces in order to stand up to LeBron and AD, if they have the pieces to stand up to Kawhi Leonard. Um, I like Utah a lot, man. I like Donovan Mitchell a lot. Um, I think he's explosive. I think he's a great player. I like Rudy Gobert on the defensive side of the ball. He is a, he's a perennial defensive player of the year candidate. Might win it again this year. And they have a lot of guys on that team that are playing very, very well. But I don't know. Uh, maybe it's just the lack of playoff experience that is, that is uh, getting me. But, I mean, I guess you don't have playoff experience until you have it, if that makes sense. Um, Maybe it's that that's maybe that's killing me. Um, maybe it's the whole rumor of the uh, killed chemistry going into this season that I'm just wondering if they can keep it up. Maybe it's the fact that Anthony Davis has been out for so long and, you know, the Lakers haven't been the actual Lakers. Um, that's just, you know, maybe LeBron is just biding his time until AD is back. That's a question. How, how, how worried are we about the AD injury as well? I, mean. I don't think I am too much, you know. Um, I mean, look, I don't, it's not the exact same situation, but we saw a similar situation to this back when LeBron played for the Heat. And they essentially, I don't want to say, I don't want to say let, because the Pacers at that time were very good. Paul George, Roy Hibbert, you know, those guys were fantastic. Um, but LeBron and the Heat essentially let them get the number one seed because the Heat thought like, well, what's the number one, like, why would we go out of our way to, to really snag the number one seed if we have the confidence that we can get the second or third seed and still make the finals? And I think that's kind of what LeBron has in his brain right now. Like he respects these guys. LeBron has gone out of his way to say how much he respects the young guys and the future generations of the NBA. But if, I, if I'm LeBron, I mean, I'm looking at Utah, Phoenix, Clippers who choked big time in the playoffs last year. Denver may be a super huge threat in the, in the West. I'm looking at Portland who has Damian Lillard, but how many times can you really rely on the Dame magic in the playoffs? Like, sure, you can get him the ball, but if the rest of the team can't keep up with the other teams, then you're going to struggle and Dame can't do everything every night. Um, I'm looking at San Antonio. I'm glad to see them back in playoff contention because I love pop. Uh, I love Tim Duncan there as an assistant coach. But realistically, especially with LaMarcus Aldridge gone, they're kind of going through this phase where it's nice to see them in the playoffs, but we don't expect them to make it far. And then you got Dallas in the eighth seed, who if they can turn it around and really make a big deal, that's another deal that you might see by the trade deadline is Porzingis gone. I, we don't really know what's going on with Porzingis. So if Porzingis gets moved, who are they moving that for? Who are they moving for him? Um, I'm the Lakers. I'm looking at this West. I'm not rushing Anthony Davis back. If I drop down to the fourth seed, then what? I'm playing the fifth seed in the first round. You're telling me that if I, if I make the fourth seed and then I get a healthy AD back for the first round, that I should be scared of the whoever the fifth seed is as the Lakers, the defending champions, LeBron James? I don't know, man. Um, I, I don't necessarily think that the number one seed guarantees you too much in the West this year. I don't know that the first, second, or third seed guarantees you too much. I think it's 
if I'm looking at the West, it's the Lake Show for me all the way, and I, I got the Lakers making it out of the West. I mean, it, I mean, they're going to be bringing fans back, Casey. So I mean, isn't like some uh, home uh, home court advantage going to matter a little bit? Isn't show Showtime going to want to play play at home? Maybe. I mean, you know, if if I'm if I'm if if fans are back in a in a big capacity and in a big way, obviously, yeah, let's play in front of our fans. I mean, look, look, LeBron eats that up, man. He he loves he he's a showman. And he lo- he loves uh, appealing to the crowd, good or bad. You know, we we saw in Miami, LeBron's not scared to be the bad guy, and and we, we saw that he's not scared to be the good guy. But we also saw that he's not scared to just keep it neutral and really just zone out and shut everybody out and completely ignore the fans and just play ball and just hoop. And um, I, I do want to say it'll make a big difference, but I think it'll make a big difference to the other teams more so than it will LeBron and the Lakers. Look, LeBron is LeBron. He does this. Um, they're the best team in the West. They're so better got, than they so were got, last year. All right, so you got, you got the Lakers out of the West. And, and who have you, if, you, if, if I had to twist your arm right now, who do you get out of the East? <sighs> Philly. 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 All right. It would so. be close, though. As of right now, <laughs> as of right now Matt, it's Philly and Boston. Well, not I mean, Philly and Boston, Philly and uh, Brooklyn. J- Jason's got Andre Drummond winning, winning the NBA championship. No matter what team, right? No matter what team he goes to, Jay, the team I tell that you what, on- if he goes to any of the three I have right now, right? Because right, right, I have yeah. Brooklyn losing. Uh, uh, yeah, Blake, Blake Griffin, <laughs> right, right, uh, tripping. Uh, Kyrie Irving having one of his little hissy fits. Uh, James Harden suddenly deciding, I don't like passing the ball now that we're in the <laughs> spotlight, right? I see Brooklyn kind of like. Kind of like I saw the Kansas City Chiefs, something goes wrong there, right? Uh, but, yeah, if Brooklyn, the Sixers, or the Lakers get Drummond, they automatically become my favorite to win. Until then, I have Lakers over Sixers. All right, I got I got Lakers over Nets until the Drummond thing settles out as well. But I got, I got, I got the Nets coming out of the East, man. I just, I'm telling you, I think, I think they come and then they run into LeBron. I think that's what happens. You know what, Matt? I'm gonna I'm gonna go on record right now. And if the Nets even make it to the championship, I'm gonna buy you a pair of shoes. <laughs> Woo, baby, get some kicks. There we go. You I didn't love it. Say what kind of shoes? <laughs> I did not. I did not specify. Get but some hey, James look, Harden I, Crocs. <laughs> I, I know. That, I know that we're kind of. I know that you were kind of poking fun at, at Jay for the for the um for the Drummond pick. No matter what team he lands on. Uh, I don't think that a lot of guys are, are a lot of people are looking at this Drummond uh, situation and realizing how much of an asset he truly can be. Uh, this I mean, look, 17.5 points per game. Are you like, just ignore the rebounds. No, no, I'm, I'm not, I wasn't picking. Game. I love, I no, love no, no, Drummond. I, I thought, like I said, he, he came from, like I said, Drummond to me is uh you know, he's, he's a piston, you know, I, I forgot he, right. he got moved to the Cavs, you know, so I'm a big Drummond fan. And, uh, and I thought, you know, when Blake Griffin went to the Nets, that's my worry is they took Blake Griffin instead of Drummond. I'm like, no, because Blake. Right. If Drummond goes to the Nets, I don't know how you beat him. I really, I really don't know how you do it then. Look, so. look this is crazy. So in only 28.9, he's not even playing 30 minutes per game in the 25 games that he's played this season. Obviously, they've been resting him for a long time. 28.9 minutes per game. He's averaging 17 and a half points, 13 and a half rebounds, two and a half assists over a block and close to two steals per game. I mean, look, if I'm getting that guy for maybe even a bet minimum, are you kidding me? Oh my, yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He he is going to be pivotal. Not only pivotal, he's going to be very, 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 very important for whatever team he lands on. 
And I, I think I think Jay is spot on on this one. He, he's going to make a huge impact and really sway, the, you know, whatever team he lands on in the favor of at least making it to the championship. Yeah, no, I was I was I wasn't picking on Jay, but no, I totally I totally I'm totally with it. If, if well, Drummond, especially if wrestling one of those three. Huh? Imagine if you're the Sixers and you oh. already have Ben Simmons and Embiid playing defense that way, right. and then you add a Drummond to get boards. It, it changes the game. It's the kind of piece the Bucks could use too. I mean, like, like those teams like could really, really use that. I, I think the Nets have a different setup. The Nets remind me of like old like 80s 90s styles west coast teams that are just trying to get 130 points a game be damned we're just running the court and that's all we're doing i want to ask <laughs> you guys so we, we talked about still win championships and i think the better teams in the mix the lakers the nets the sixers they know that and if they can add that d it's going to give them that edge <laughs> I think I agree. And I, I do want to ask though, you know, we talk about the Lakers, we talk about the Nets and we talk about the Sixers, but we haven't talked about the teams that if Drummond signs with would make a huge difference in terms of maybe even catapulting them to be in title contention. Like some of these playoff teams, like I'm looking at, I'm looking at Portland, right? I'm looking at Portland at a team that could use a center like this to grab those rebounds. Portland shoots the ball a lot. Damian Lillard shoots the ball a lot. And when you shoot the ball a lot, you miss a lot. If I'm looking at Drummond, I'm saying, yes, please come grab 20 rebounds a game here in Portland. And let's not even talk about Portland. (coughs) Excuse me. If we're talking about a team that could really use a center to get them into playoff or into championship contention, let's look at Milwaukee. Let's look at Boston. Two teams that could really use a center that if they got that center to put around the pieces that already exist would completely change their trajectory of where they're going to finish in these playoffs. Boston was a team that was favored by a lot of, a lot of uh, people going into the season based on where they finished last year. They lost in the Easter conference finals to the team that eventually lost to the Lakers in the Miami heat. But you can argue that if they had a big man that could really get up there and grab rebounds and play better defense in the paint and really could help shut down Bam Adebayo the, the Celtics would have been in the championship against the Lakers. So I'm looking at Boston, and I'm thinking, like, man, if Drummond signs here, and now you've got Tatum flipping that switch, you've got Jalen Brown flipping that switch, now you can take less pressure off of Kimba so he doesn't get hurt again. And then you have a good secondary unit with Marcus Smart being one of your, the better defenders in the league off your bench. I'm scared of, Brooke, uh, of Boston a lot now if, if Andre Drummond signs there. I'm not saying that that would necessarily force them into winning a championship this season or even being in the finals, but you would really have to look at Boston if they were able to get Drummond. I wonder if any of these teams that need to rebuild quick can look at the Cavs who want to dump salary and players and and do some sort of deal for Drummond and love at the same time and take all that salary off their hands and and give them bench depth even with love. I, I think love and Drummond may be a package deal that could shake up a team I don't think Drummond does it alone unless you're already one of those top four or five teams, top three teams in the East, top two or three in the West. Um, but I think if you're a, a lower level team like the Celtics and you bring in Love and Drummond for, for a one-year deal and then, then worry about it after that, there's that possibility when you add that depth. But Drummond alone only does it for those top tier teams. And I'm hoping one of them goes for it. Uh, like Matt, I'm hoping it's not the Nets because at that point it just becomes unfair. <laughs> well, well, if that's the case, Jay, then we we really have to look at Portland because that's where Kevin Love was rumored to land anyways. So that's exactly what I was thinking when you brought up Portland. Like if they did a double deal where you got Love and Drummond, then you have the bigs 
to go with Dame and McCollum, and suddenly it all, it all comes together quite nicely. Makes that a lot could be of a, sense. A one phone call deal to make Portland a contender. Makes a lot of sense. And then I, I don't know. I think Nurkic is hurt right now. I would have to look at it. Um, <coughs> excuse me, so much basketball going on. But um, that definitely adds to your depth. And now all of a sudden, if you're the Trailblazers, you're sitting at 21 and 15. If you can go on a nice run and win 55 games even, well, you know, the season is shortened, so maybe not 55 games. If you can win 50 games. If you can win 50 games and jump up to that top four seed, I don't know, man. Portland would look, Portland would be scary with Dame's history of shutting teams out and sending them home. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, I mean, they shoot so far outside in that, you know, the, the style of the Warriors made popular that if you get a Drummond and a Love to get all those boards in there, well, well forget about it. Now your missed shots are being turned into made shots frequently, and it's a whole different ballgame. So I, I think those lower-level teams would need to make a deal for Drummond and Love or Drummond and another piece to make it work, or Love and another piece even. I, I think boards, you know – People have been talking a lot, like they were talking on PTI and other shows this week about, are there too many three-pointers in basketball, which we've talked about before. And it's like, there are, sure. Uh, but, but that's also why rebounds are so important. Because if you're shooting that many threes, as Casey pointed out, you're missing a lot of shots. And now boards are more important than ever. With the three, you need boardmen, <laughs> right? You need them, or you're not going to win games. So it's huge. And I think guys like Love and Drummond, who will probably be traded before the deadline, those are huge assets now, bigger than they have ever been in the past. I mean, JaVale McGee is another uh, Cleveland Cavalier that could be on the trade block as well. So Exactly. We'll see. March 25th is the NBA trade deadline. So as we get closer to that, we're going to see some movement. And we may see some teams, as Casey pointed out. I'd be curious to see what uh, what Boston would look like. Because I'm, I'm a really big fan of Kemba Walker and what, uh, and what the Celtics have been trying to do in that, in that just crowded East, it feels like right now. Who would have thought the East was crowded, right? It's usually the West, right? Uh, all right. Uh, any, any, any final thoughts, guys? I, I think that's pretty much it. Jay, um, you, any, any final thoughts on your end? Yeah, I wanted, I wanted to give a shout-out to Julian Edelman, who, who is a player I hate because I hate the Patriots. But uh, <laughs> this kid for the Miami Heat used an anti-Semitic slur this week. And we saw a lot of people call for his head, fire him, lose his career or whatever. And he was punished pretty severely. I think he's suspended indefinitely. He was fined like $50,000. But we're so quick to, uh, and rightfully so, we're so quick to condemn people when they use racial slurs or anti-Semitic slurs or, or, or transphobic or homophobic slurs. Julian Edelman, for the second time in a year, has written an open letter to a guy and invited him to sit down and talk about it. Last year, when I think it was, uh, uh, it was a wide receiver, it might be Deshaun Jackson, if I'm not mistaken, with the Eagles, uh, made an anti-Semitic comment. He, he invited him to, to tour the Holocaust Museum with him. He invited this kid from Miami over to a Shabbat dinner with him next time he's in Miami. Uh, he's not slamming these guys, but rather saying, look, I, I, you can't possibly know what you're saying here. Why don't we get together and I'll talk this out with you? And I think we need more of that. I, I think if we... If we're going to combat racism and anti-Semitism and homophobia, um, we're going to have to slam some people when they do it repeatedly. But, but for first-time offenders, maybe it's time for, for education, not scaring them and making them defensive, but rather educating them. And I think Edelman's willingness to do that is, is a really beautiful thing to see. And so I just wanted to compliment him on that. And, and in a non-sports take on that, it, it, it's also a time that I think we need to take a, a deeper look and I'm sure Casey can probably attest to this being a, a Twitch gamer at at just some of the some of just the, the the language that's used in gaming. It's it's been used since 
you know, I was playing 15 years ago, like online gaming, just, you wouldn't say these things in public, you know, you wouldn't say it's a dark, scary place when you get into online gaming, some of the things that are said. And, uh, and I think that just that whole culture probably needs to be addressed in some ways. Um, before, before I get to Casey, I just want to throw out as well, Jay, that um, if, I know it's finally happened. It took maybe Tiger Woods getting into a horrific car accident, but the golf leaderboard right now at the Players' Championship, man, is all a bunch of young guys and Sergio Garcia. So <laughs> you, um, you should love this leaderboard, man. Um, it's, it's the players. It's technically the fifth major. It's what they jokingly call the fifth major. Uh, like I said, it's it, it's a good time of golf, and if you didn't are see- they going to change the rules because of this cat who I keep see dry, keep see driving the ball three hundred and seventy yards or whatnot? Bry- Bryson DeChambeau is the uh, oh my it, goodness, he's a monster. He's the he's the new guy like Tiger, you know, and that they're they're changing the rules because of because of him. But uh, last week he drove, tried to drive the green on a par five twice. It was pretty incredible, and then uh, and then this week they've changed the rules on eighteen. So uh so that there's an out-of-bounds area that he was talking about. Maybe, maybe trying to play over like a, a, a big pond onto like a strip of grass. You know, it's like, you can't do that, man. It's like, well, I can't. I'm just going to shoot this one <laughs> over the clubhouse. <laughs> uh, uh, Casey, what do you got, man? What, uh, what, any parting thoughts on, on your way besides uh, obviously letting everybody know about your Twitch channel? Was it VBE, uh, VBE 30 or 20, 30? VBE 20, twitch.tv slash VBE 20, all together, no spaces, no underscores or nothing. Um, No, I mean, look, that's about it, man. Uh, Just enjoying the dad life. I I know you get it, Jay. Um, He is growing very quickly, already um, learning how his arms work. He's learning that he can move his head now by himself. So we're terrified just to let him sleep because he's learned how to flip himself over at a month old. It's terrifying. Got um, his first tattoo. Yeah, I, I, he's, <laughs> he's, he's already asking about it, starting to grow a beard and um, wants to get just his like ears dad. pierced. <laughs> just like dad. Yeah, that's right. Um, but no, man, the dad life is great. Uh, I don't sleep at all. So that's awesome too. Um, shout out to my wife though. My wife, uh, Tristan, she's a, uh, She's a freaking rock star. She's been home with the baby ever since um, ever since we came home from the hospital. She hasn't gone back to work from maternity leave yet. Uh, I think she's got about three more weeks and then she can go back to work, which I think she is uh, anxiously anticipating. Um, but yeah, other than that, check out my Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash VBE20. Uh, tonight, Friday, March 12th, we are doing, uh, we're pulling names for uh, teams for our, our huge Rocket League tournament that's coming up on April 3rd, Saturday, April 3rd. Um, the last one we did, we had over 30 people in the stream at one time. We, we got over 350 views total. Um, and we are currently in the works to maybe do some kind of co uh, thing with a, with a charity um, to have all proceeds from that go towards the charity. So that's in the works right now, but if that doesn't work out, regardless, we're going to have a great fun time. The tournament was the last tournament we did was a huge success and we all had a lot of fun doing it. Uh, and the winners get a big prize at the end. So that's all I really got. Go check out my Twitch and um, shout out to my wife and my son. All right. Well, there you go. Like I said, check us out on uh, Facebook, www.detailgatekings.com as well. Instagram, Twitter and of course like I said go check out Casey Jones doing the the Twitch stream and he does Pokemon cards as well and all sorts of things VBE 20 basketball cards coming soon basketball cards coming soon we might we might even have an update by next week all right y'all we are 
on count for next Friday. Hopefully, uh, probably talking a bunch of baseball. Baseball season is right around the corner. Um, also, check the Facebook page. We'll put up a link for our fantasy baseball leagues and you can come join and play with us. All right, y'all. Till next Friday, I'm Dr. Dive with Casey Jones and Jason Reynolds, and we are out.